T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I know that you're anxious for me to uh, comment uh, definitively on our future of Chicago Bulls. I understand that anticipation. That said, I take pride in being deliberate and thoughtful in my decision-making and take the weight of my decisions uh, seriously. Um, I'm not inclined to make evaluations prematurely uh, to satisfy our excitement to move this team forward. That is your new Bulls Hoops Poncho, Arturis Karnaschovas. Today, this morning, he was explaining why he wants to hold back the Bulls organization, keep them from moving forward, continue to hold them down. <laughs> welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Square. We're broadcasting live from the far-flung Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. They include the far-flung studio also known as Mark Grody's boyhood bedroom way out there in the, in the western burbs that it now has a fax machine and a sewing machine on video. That was spectacularly received today, Mark. Yep, that is what my room has uh, become. I'm pr- uh, happy to report that during the break, one of the, the physical therapists has arrived. She is helping to... Um, to rehab my dad, who, you know, let's just say it, he had Tommy John surgery, so he, my dad's a big lefty, so he's getting ready to make his first rehab start, and she is here to see if we can confirm that, so we might have breaking news by the end of the show. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> he's expected to close in August. Great. All right, we're going yes. to go to the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park, and he brings us and it brings us Cody Westerland of the score, the uh, Arturis Karnaschovas actuality that you heard coming in was part of a longer session that the new Bulls hoops honcho had with the press. And I'm kind of at the point where, remember how Jerry Cross famously said like Phil Jackson could go 82-0 and and still wouldn't come back as the, next, the Bulls coach the next season? Well, this just keeps going on as though Jim Boylan could go 0-82 and absolutely will still come back as the next coach of the Bulls. Please tell me it's not so, Cody. Please tell me it's not so. I really, really don't think it will be so, Steve. Uh, Arturis Karnaschovas wants to give everyone a fair chance to sit down with him in person. 
And I think the first thing, uh, just on a factual basis to remember here, is that he hasn't been in Chicago yet. Mark Eversley hasn't been in Chicago. They're not at the Advocate Center yet. Uh, Our tourist did not tell us exactly when he would be. He said it will be soon and that he's on his way. So it sounds like next week he will be there sometime. But he hasn't sat down with Jim Boylan in person. He hasn't met his other front office personnel uh, that he inherited in person. So he wants to watch film with these guys. He wants to have basketball philosophy discussions with these guys and then make a decision. And I don't think he wants to do this in one or two days. I think he wants to give them a fair chance to see how their basketball philosophies mesh. Uh, my expectation is after he does that with Jim Boylan, uh, that they will fire Jim Boylan. So uh, that is not by any means a done deal. I just think that's the expectation uh, that that will happen. And everyone knows it's no surprise you get a new management regime. They want to bring in their new coach usually. But uh, Karnaschovas wants to do this in the right way. And with the NBA season pushed back a couple months, three months here almost with the uh, coronavirus pandemic, the Bulls do have time on their side in this situation. That is the voice of Cody Westerland covers the Bulls for us on 670thescore.com along with Stevie Sunshine, Stevie Rosenblum. I'm Mark Grody. So I have faith in that happening. That all makes sense to me, Cody, that he is going to zoom out and then zoom in and then probably replace the head coach. How quickly do you think player changes and player evaluations will be made if any because you know i expect that there probably will be at least one big move but how quickly do you think that evaluation process will take place well certainly the player evaluation process is taking place already on film i would note that the bulls are going to be in a very similar salary cap situation this offseason and especially with the declining revenues uh, on the NBA front with the pandemic, that means that the salary cap's probably going to decline or maybe they'll have it stay right around where it was. But the point is, uh, Otto Porter Jr. is going to opt into his $28.5 million player option for next season, barring a massive surprise, and the Bulls won't have a lot of cap space. So I don't expect the player change to come really quickly because of that cap situation. And also because I think the Bulls front office wants to evaluate in person, in game action, what they have and see how well these guys work together and how much of their struggles before were on the players' end and how much was on the coaching staff and the system's end. And I think that will be under a new, uh, the watch of a new coach come next season. But uh, the offseason, it's Denzel Valentine, Chris Dunn are headed for restricted free agency. So you'll have decisions on those guys. I don't think like any player on the Bulls team is safe long-term in any regard as untradeable or anything. So everyone should be on alert. I just don't expect the Bulls to bail on anyone immediately. I think what might be uh, more likely for roster turnover is to watch the first 50 or so games of next season and see how these guys work together and then make a big decision or a big trade maybe at the trade deadline next season, which usually the trade deadline comes in February. The season pushed back. It'll be pushed back a couple months. So that's the first time I could see a big change probably on the player front just because of the Bulls' salary cap situation and the fact that if they traded anyone this offseason, it would seem like they're trading some of these guys at their lower value a little bit when you look at them because of their struggles last year individually and as a team. Well, I think the fact that everything is getting pushed back, um, it's good news that the Bulls are not in then whatever jury whatever gerrymandered playoff they got coming up. So that's good that they're not, and it's pushed back. So the Bulls will finally 
next season have a chance to play a meaningful game in May, which hasn't happened in God knows since God knows when. But the the prospects going forward, I think Karnaschovas is a smart guy. That seems to be that it certainly is one of the characteristics what attracted him to the Bulls. So he's playing this with the coach, I think, this way, Cody. I want to run this by you. That okay. you can't you can't fire the coach from long distance, even though you actually can, because you've seen him call idiot timeouts and you've seen Laurie Markinen disappear and, and, and the team hasn't gone anywhere. But you want to appear as if you're giving him a fair chance so that anybody you bring in as a coach will know, believe, think they're also getting a fair chance. And you also want your bosses to think that that they're on board, that their opinions are being listened to, even though you know better because you know that Jim Boylan is not going to be a championship coach going forward. I think he's setting, he said, trying to set a tone for the organization that they are, that they are welcoming. They'll be looking in all areas, not just the Iowa State coaching office, and that they will be fair and they will be broad-minded about some things. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I completely agree with that assessment. I mean, we know the Bulls' history with coaches, not just recently with Tom Thibodeau's exit in 2015, uh, being ugly after what seemed like a cold war for a couple of years against the front office. But we just saw the last dance, how Phil Jackson left town and how Jerry Krause uh, handled that, as you referenced the uh, 82-0 and comment before the 97-98 season. So this is an organization that, Uh, As much loyalty as they have had to their front office, uh, they have not had good relationships with coaches and their exits, and there's no way around that. So certainly uh, everything adds up there, and like everything you just said uh, lines up on a PR front as well, which I think Karnaschovas is more uh, aware of than the past front office. It got to the point where uh, by no means is John Paxton rude to me or other reporters when we were around Um, the United Center or anything, but they didn't have a proactive relationship with the media here these past couple of years. It was always very contentious and everything. And Karnaschovas in Denver, even when he was assistant general manager, then got promoted to general manager, he had a really good relationship with the media. He said on the record several times in these Zoom calls, like, I want to get to know you guys. And I know those are just words that mean nothing early on, but I do think it's reflective of him understanding the perception of the organization. You have to realize, too, like the Bulls always seem to have some sort of crisis every season, whether it was like Dwayne Wade (laughs) and Rajon Rondo yelling at each other and young guys and on Instagram, whether it was, I mean, more serious one, no doubt, is Bobby Portis punching Nico Miritich. Uh, But there are always problems on various fronts, and there's smaller fires to put out every day of the season when these guys aren't getting the touches they want. Last year, Thad Young didn't get the minutes he wanted. Like, it's the front office's job to handle this stuff, and I think Karnaschovas understands that, and I think he understands that the PR perception matters in every front. So this is kind of an extension of that with him taking the time on Jim Boylan. I think it's just a bigger part of his overall philosophy that, yes, this is about basketball, it's about winning on the floor, but my job's about more than just getting good players onto that court. I have to deal with the whole perception of the organization alongside Mark Eversley, the new GM as well. 
That's amazing, the the idea that every year there's been a crisis for the Bulls. I think last year's crisis was pretty much Jim Boylan and, and timeouts. <laughs> and, and, and so it, it and encompassed the time him. Clock. But, yeah, the time clock. So it's such a great uh, point, it's Cody. Just, what a clown but, college. <laughs> it's just amazing, but it's, it's true. And, Cody, I wanted to ask you about another thing that Kardashev has brought up. And that is apparently there is going to be some sort of consolation prize for the eight teams left out of the upcoming format. Can you explain that? Yeah, so because teams like the Bulls, the Hawks, the Cavaliers, these eight teams that got left out of the uh, NBA 22-team restart, they're going to go from the Bulls March what 11th or so, March 10th I think was their last game. They're not scheduled to play another game until probably mid-December. December 1st, they said, maybe the start of the regular season. I think the Players Union pushed back that a little bit, so I think uh, they could push that back a couple weeks for a little more rest. But that's nine months between games, and that's a big deal for a young team that's rough. So uh, what these general managers of the teams left out want is some sort of competitive action, some sort of mandatory team gathering, basically, in the off season because – these guys will get all their individual work all the time. They can come to the Advocate Center and do that. They can do that remotely if, for example, Zach Levine's in Seattle right now. He can get all the individual work in he wants. He'll hoop in the summer, play scrimmages five-on-five at the local gym. But that doesn't help you get better with your teammate like Kobe White, who might be on the other side of the country in North Carolina spending his offseason, for example, something like that. So, uh Arturis wants as much team activity as possible. He'd also like competitive settings. So the NBA has been talking about for these teams, maybe something uh, this summer or maybe in September sometime where they gather for a week or two of like mandatory teamwork. Kernishovis, I wasn't exactly clear on what he meant by scrimmages. I think his hope would be to actually play these other teams in scrimmages somehow a time or two, travel a little bit and get real competitive game setting because Bulls basketball five-on-five in September is not going to, like, solve all their problems or anything, and there will still be a little roster uncertainty. you got to realize, like, a player that's required to show up who's a free agent would be a little bit weird because he'd be risking his health before free agency in meaningless action. So there's a lot of stuff that has to get worked out uh, on the players' union front and as it pertains to the collective bargaining agreement. But basically, he wants as much teamwork as possible so he can get a head start in evaluating these guys uh, and have them do a little bit more than individual work. To that end, Cody, do you think the do you think there's a model for the where the NFL has controlled practices, controlled scrimmages during training camp with two teams? Yeah, I think the NBA could do that. And again, if they could, if it's guys under contract, I think it makes sense. Uh, if it's it's a really hard ask to ask someone not under contract who's going to be a free agent and hoping to be lined up for a payday to do that. But certainly I think that's something these teams are interested in. Like uh, these eight teams are already talking to each other on a daily basis. Like what are you doing to stay sharp for your organization? It sounds like they could all get together on a conference call and say, what can we do to replicate um, competitive settings. So it's not that hard. Like these teams are willing to do so. They all understand the unique circumstances of getting left out and they're upset that they couldn't play, but they understand. So I just, I don't think it's that hard. And I think the NBA is in a position right now uh, where they understand it's not like there's going to be drama in a competition between the Bulls and the Hawks about who wins or something. Like they just think it's important to see. Um, other competition and get in the gym as much as they can. So uh, it's the NBA. I mean, when you compare it, especially to MLB, like the NBA owners 
have been really understanding of this hard situation the league's in. So I think uh, there's a lot of camaraderie just on the front of everyone getting through this together right now. And while the players' union's been a little irked by the dates of when they come back and not having a long off season, like they've gotten together and, and understood the league and, and had collaboration in a very uh, positive manner throughout all this. Zach Levine also spoke yesterday, Cody. And at, do you get the feeling that the changes that have been made at the top have revived him to some degree? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely, they have. Uh, he. Zach, I mean, God bless his heart. He shows up after every game and talks to the media. And he does it in such a manner that's like, it's politically correct, usually, unless Jim Boylan's yanking him in the first minute of the game, he's not going to clash with his coach. So usually their public war of words are instigated by Jim Boylan's decision-making. But, like, he just does it in a manner in which, like, Man, I feel sorry for you. So, yes, he has been reinvigorated by the front office change, no doubt about that. Uh, and his comments yesterday on Boylan, were, like, they were just amazing. Like, if you read through all of them, uh, asked whether Jim Boylan's done enough, he said, you know, the win-loss record isn't always on Boylan. You know, it's on the players, too. There's a lot that goes into the situation. But then he's out there, he's like, Jim Boylan tried as hard as he could, and sometimes that's all you can ask for. And then he ends the answer, he ends the answer with, you knew what my question or my response to that question was going to be as if to just be like, <laughs> Hey, here it is. Like, you know, like I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Oh, doing was that, go- was do. that good? Was that, did I do good? <laughs> <laughs> do I get an A for that one? Um, so, yeah. Is that the right way to say it? Oh yeah. man. See, I, um, I always preferred, that's why I always preferred Chris Chelios who after a lousy game and you go to the captain of the Blackhawks and he'd say, Write what you want, and I'll say I said it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that's what, that's oh, what I always say. Okay, hey, there you go. That's what I, that's what I want. Speaking of Zach Levine, and I, I was at an outing in uh, at a Seattle park. Jamal Crawford, former Bull, was there as well, where he says, go vote. I haven't been able to do that, but come this November, I'm going, I'm going to because I know it's going to change something. Um, why hasn't he been able to vote? It was right there for them. What, what's the story with that? They don't teach vote registration at UCLA or Seattle? He, or they don't, what's he, the said, he said he wasn't hip to it. And until the events, I, I think not just of the events of the past couple of weeks since George Floyd's killing, but I think just the events of the past couple of years and the heightened uh, political climate and everything, I think Zach Levine's opened his eyes more in the last few weeks. Um, have showcased that and look he had no excuse he said it like he said it's on him you could you could hear the regret in his voice when he said he didn't vote he was disappointed in himself for not educating himself enough um so it sounds like he's been reading more uh listening uh to people more in this situation and i don't think there is an excuse you know what i mean so uh he admitted that said he wasn't hip to it. it's one of those things where um, the NBA is pretty good. They're, they're pretty conscious of current events. They're pretty progressive as a league. But a lot of these young guys don't always realize it. And I think Zach Levine's just getting a little bit older. He's more of an adult now at age 25 than he was a few years ago. Probably more of an adult now, obviously, uh, than he was the last time there was a presidential election in 2016. Um, he was a guy probably fresh out of college, kind of. So uh, I think that's just a transformation to him. But he, but he didn't beat around the bush or anything. He didn't. 
he didn't have an excuse for not doing it, and he put that on himself. That's good. Um, so, go ahead, Steve. No, no, no. I, 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 I just okay. It, it, somebody is. It's, it's about education. It's about evolving, and good for him. I just, I just was. I was stunned to hear that. That's all. Hey, Cody. Last thing that I have for you: Has there been any other players? that have offered anything substantive on the, the new front. I know Levine obviously has and has spoken. Have you guys had access to anybody else or no? Thad uh, Young's the only other one that the Bulls set up. I don't, I don't know that I've read every single quote of the offseason on uh, Bulls players doing one-on-one interviews with anyone, but I haven't seen any other thoughts from players on the uh, front office. I mean, I guess, I guess Larry Markkinen was on the podcast in Finland in which he said, he said, uh, he was disappointed in his touches, and Jim Boylan told him to just keep getting more rebounds if he wanted more touches, basically. So so there was that overseas, I guess. But, uh, no, we haven't heard extensively from other players about the front office. I mean, uh, just texting a few people in the organization, everyone seems really enthusiastic about the new front office. That's the uh, response. It seems like all the players uh, have had to this point. We'll find out more later. But, I mean, I think it rounds back uh, – Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., Lowry Markkinen, uh, Zach Levine, those are the four most important players in the organization right now, uh, no doubt. And it sounds like all four have been enthusiastic about this change. Karnaschovas has had pretty extensive uh, meetings and phone calls with Lowry Markkinen just about um, how to get better moving forward. Markkinen was disappointed in his season last year, and he wants to have front office try to get him more touches and do as much as they can to bring out the best in him. Uh, so it's been all positive feedback pretty much on that front from the players um, behind the scenes and those who have spoken. Yeah, of the, of the Cody Westerland is our guest. Cody Westerland of the score covers the Bulls. We're talking Bulls basketball here. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody. Um, hey. Lowry, Mar- Lowry Markkinen was talking about his touches going from 80 to 40, and the still inexplicably not fired Jim Boylan told him to get more de- rebounds. And Markkinen impishly told the Finnish podcast, it's hard to get 40 defensive rebounds in a game. He's trying to bring his touches to eight What an indictment. What, what, what this guy still hasn't been seven or eight rebounds? I mean, I, yeah. if he's averaging seven, eight, I mean, 47, 48 rebounds a game doesn't sound like too much to me, you know? I mean, that, no. that might be doable at some point. The other team <laughs> right. I wouldn't every ask, shot they I take. W- I wouldn't ask my guys to do anything I wouldn't do. Right. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Um, before we let you go, thanks for your time, Cody. The, the NBA, to me, unless I've missed it, and all of these wonderful plans of we're going to Disney World and we're going to play and we're going to be in a bubble and we got a playoff and we got 22 teams and here's how it's going to work. And I have still not seen any concrete plan for what happens when one, two, three players test positive at whatever point in time have i missed this or are they still negotiating that do they still not have a plan are they still messing that up in a big way you have not missed it they have not clearly come out and explained all of that uh i'm almost certain the reason is they don't want to address that part until they basically have to and the reason being they don't want to commit to something that's not right. They don't want to commit to something and then get more information about the virus, a better approach, different statistics. Uh, mm-hmm. The reason the NBA came out and revealed its return to play plan, the format of the competition, 
is because they were feeling heat behind the scenes like we have to do something now. The NHL had already done it, what, a week earlier, a week or two earlier, basically. The players and the players union were getting really antsy. These guys didn't know when and where they needed to be, what was going to go on with their families, how and when to ramp up their training. So they revealed the structure of the format. But I think what they want to do is reveal one medical plan one time. They've been doing extensive work behind the scenes. As far as someone testing positive, there's no reason to even return uh, and gather and play if one test is going to shut your whole league down because the expectation is that's going to happen to somebody, probably a player. I mean, what, 10% of the league maybe, 5 or 10% we already know have the virus basically in the NBA uh, over the past couple months, by the way, they were uh, testing and what we got back. So uh, the hard part, I think, is what happens if three players on a team gets it? What happens if four players get it? Then it's an absolutely really tough call, and I think that's going to be what I want to hear from Adam Silver when he does explain the medical aspect of this plan moving forward. Because, I mean, teams dress 13 players. you got 15 players on a team, but four of them have the coronavirus. They're out two weeks. Like, who are you playing? Like, you're worried about the other guys getting it. Uh, so that's a serious, serious concern that they have to address. Okay. Well, I'll look forward to Wow, more chaos. Cody, appreciate your time. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing the fact that Jim Boylan has not been fired. We blame it all on you, just so you know. <laughs> Anytime, guys. I appreciate <laughs> it, and have a good rest of the show. All right, thanks. That's Cody Westerlin. The score covers the Bulls. Terrific job. And there's your information. Still, still nothing on Jim Boylan. So we got to take a break. Mark, there was a... Um, a confluence of baseball anniversaries this week, and I came across something that um, I want you to sh- be able to share, a trivia question you can share with the Grobber next time you guys Ooh. chat on the airwaves. Um, so Sweet. we'll do that. We'll just sort of take a breath, take a break, and we'll come back with um, with that kind of stuff. And anything else you have in the, in the room, maybe something came across the fax machine in Gene's sewing room. Anything? Anything? Nothing on the fax machine? <laughs> no, but I should probably figure out what the number is and people can fax <laughs> People can fax you. <laughs> yeah. However, there is a layer of dust over the fax machine, so I don't know that it is necessarily operational. This room is kind of like a museum right now because the sewing machine is covered, the fax machine has a layer of dust on it, and it just is a confused room. There's there's a few Mark Grody artifacts, but mostly uh, the artifacts come from Gene and Gary. And by the way, during the end of that interview, Gene Grody did come up here with a fresh cup of coffee and place it next to me. That's because she's Gene Grody. She's Gene Grody. That's what she does. <laughs> and that's true. And I still think that room, now that I've seen the video and what you told us last week, that it was your bedroom with your two brothers, then yours, and then the scrapbooking room and then the the office and the fax machine and now your broadcasting room there that's a movie that's just the, the that's the story arc in a movie of of the room i don't know what it was called it was mark's room we'll call it that it was, if these if these walls could talk something cheesy like that you know yeah, because these... my brothers also boarded in here too it was all three of us when we were youngins and then we finally earned our own rooms i stayed back i i was held back I was held back in this room while my brothers were promoted to other rooms. <laughs> I was held back. Um, I is was. The, why isn't Jean Grody using the sewing machine to make masks? She, that would have been good. 
She, I think she did. I think she oh, has. Oh, really? I, I, I've told you that. The, all the masks that I have were made by my mom. Oh, I have that's like right, five but I didn't, masks. You know what? I guess she I was waiting them. for Saturday suckage masks. We could have. Do you realize we could make? We could. Ooh. That could be a business. Gene could do that. Holy. It'd be a way to get away from. We are Gary really behind on this. Yeah, let him ice his own Tommy John ligament and and have her make Saturday suckage um, masks. We'll figure out something. And Give no, something to... no joke here. Come two o'clock when this show is over, I am I am not even just making this up for the show. I am making a run to the jewels. <laughs> she already told you. No, Gary no can't. joke. I, yes, yes, because I was supposed to buy. Uh, pop yesterday and, pop. and the day before, and I failed. So I am going after this show is over. I'm getting in my car and I'm driving to the to the Wooddale Jewels down Irving Park Road, where I will purchase beverages for me, Gene, and Gary. And you'll be mobbed by mask wearing fans asking for those Saturday suckage masks. I'm telling you, Gene's absolutely on yes. That's it. All right, we are Saturday Suckage, soon to mask up with um, with something that I, maybe we could have, could we have a contest and do that? Do we still do contests anymore? We have a contest, we give away something that's special to the show, as opposed to a just a picture of somebody else's tickets. We could do that. Steve, here's what happens whenever you and I try to do a contest or something good. It's like, <laughs> I know, yeah, good idea, good idea. And then we never hear about it again. Right, Spilkus fills his pants. That's what happens. No, I don't want them doing a contest. They're not important tonight. What are they doing now? All right. It's a we'll Saturday a show. Come on. Right, we'll take a break and we'll wait for the alarm to text. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde. Saturday Suckage with you. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We'll be here till 2 o'clock. Zach Zabin will be here after us. Top of the hour, we'll do What Are You Doing, Wegner? We'll swing around various and, yes. things, various and sundry things done by various and sundry people during the pandemic. I have something rather emotional I wish to share, and I will. And uh, we will... Go from there. We um, we went to break, and I said that there was a baseball, a series, two baseball anniversaries this week that I just got a kick out of. 
So this is from Stats by Stats. And Thursday in 1932, Mark, Lou Gehrig hit four home runs yes. and Tony Lazeri hit for the cycle in a 20-13 to 13 Yankees win over the A's. It's the only time in MLB, MLB history a four-homer game and a cycle have occurred on the same day, let alone by teammates in the same game. That's, that's the Yankees. One guy hits four home runs in a game, and somebody hits for the cycle. Also on Thursday, the anniversary of 1974, the Indians held 10-cent beer night. So what do you think happened, Mark? Oh, no. <laughs> there was probably some, uh, some rough housing in the stands. Twice the number of average Indians fans showed up. Uh, among other things, a woman flashed players, a streaker slid into second base, fans rushed the field, a player got hit in the head with a chair, and the Indians <laughs> forfeited. That was the first and last annual 10-cent beer night. <laughs> that was quite a thing. What a dumb that ranked, thing that to do. Up there with, that is I think it was, horrible. Yeah. Yeah, I think in the 70s, for whatever reason, the Dodgers held bat night against the... Remember when teams used to hold bat days or bat nights? Remember that? You said... The little souvenir bats, you mean? Yeah. No, there were some... At one time, I think it was real major league bats. But but then they got reduced. That I don't remember, no. uh, I'm old enough to to believe I remembered that. And I think the Dodgers held... one against the Reds, and everybody threw their bats at Pete Rose in left field. I think that's what happened. So that that ended. It's like, yeah, we, that, we're gonna weaponize that's called our fans. Not, when you had when you had your yeah when you had your meeting. That's called not reviewing worst case scenarios or right. not reviewing <laughs> scenarios. Scenario. Period. That's right. Because that Same is with, what's going to happen. By the way, Stevie ball, Sunshine, ball what's line. more impressive to you, a, a cycle or four home runs in a game? Uh, I think a cycle. I think a cycle. I think there have been really. I think there have been fewer okay. cycles. I think there have been fewer cycles than perfect games and four home run games. I haven't looked at. I I, I thought that was what I read. The whole thing is the triple. Right, if you can hit a triple, you probably you, you might yeah. not be able to hit a home run. If you can't hit a if you hit a home run, you might not be able to hit a triple. That's the thing. That's that's um, the most remarkable thing. It uh, maybe the most remarkable thing is Paul Konerko hit an inside the park home run. <laughs> it's just stunning. But uh, <laughs> did that ever happen? Plodding feet. I remember. Right. The four home run thing, though, is just jarring because, especially on the fourth one, where there it goes, there it goes again. And I mm-hmm. remember who was it, Mike Cameron, when Mike Cameron yep. played for the Seattle Mariners against the White Sox at probably then U.S. Cellular Field. I remember him doing that and that reaction. And and you can't help but as a home team announcer at that point to be appreciative and excited for it. So I don't know. I I would go with the four home run game. Because, because you witnessed one, and that's what. And, just and because that was your I reaction. think. Just, 
because that is the obviously home run is the hardest hit ball. So to hit the hardest, to have the hardest hit ball four times in a game, I think is just impressive. To be that locked in uh, in at least four of your at bats, uh, to have the biggest hit that you can possibly have in a baseball game, I think that that's really impressive. By the way, Steve, I'd like to address something really quick. Is there just an awful delay between you and I today? Because it really feels that way. No. I I I don't think so. Okay. See, I I have it done on my side because every time I say something to you, every time I say something to you, like I, it's there's like literally a three second pause. So I I am glad that you're not hearing that and I'm the only. It's driving me crazy, but I'm glad that um, that you're not hearing it and hopefully our audience isn't hearing it because everything sounds awkward to me today. I just needed to get that out. Thanks. Okay. Well, that's all right. Awkward has been the uh, feeling of the week and and um, and so I've. I need to correct myself that there have been um, a whole ton of cycles. The cycles are, they, they, compared to no hitters, roughly as many, you know, no hitters as cycles. In four home run games, there have been 17 players who have done it, uh, 23 perfect games. So that's what the comparison, I messed it up, which is not a surprise. Um, and I'm probably wrong in just looking this up really quickly. Anyways, I have a trivia question. You can ask the Grover next time you guys get together. Please. And this was um, occasioned by a recent, actually a recent, a recent birthday. <clears throat> Only one man has participated in both the NBA Finals and the Super Bowl as a player or head coach. Only one man has participated in both the NBA Finals and the Super Bowl as a player or head coach. Can you name him, Grober? Part- participate. Well, a lot of people have. A lot of people think that this happened years ago. It's happened on. I repeat, more than one occasion. A lot of people think that it was Bill Herculean. He was a player for the UIC Flames, and then he. Which I did, which I was the original play-by-play guy for. Um, all right, so the only person to have ever participated in the NBA Finals and in the Super Bowl, um, man, participate as a coach or a player? Yes. Yes. So, okay, let me think about what, whom this could possibly be. Like nothing registers right off the bat. A couple of weeks um, ago, he turned 93. Just to give you the stretch of the arc you might be dealing with. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. Steve, why don't you give us the answer? Because the audience doesn't need We're gonna to hear me. We're going to flip all the cards. Bud yes. Grant. Bud Grant, the old Minnesota Vikings head coach. He was a member of the 1950 Lakers. Good God, really? Yep, 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 yep. And he coached the Vikings. Get Grober on the phone. Studs, call Grober right now. Let's do this on the air. I want to see if he, he <laughs> yeah, can get no, this. I'm not going to. You might we have can't been listening, do that? so he's got the answer. Yeah, he probably is listening. <laughs> yeah, everybody. But Grant, yeah, a lot of people thought he was a good head coach. He was a bad guy, a bad head coach. The Bears kicked their butts when they played again. Alan Page used to play with them, and then he came to the Bears. Right. Uh-huh. 
and then he became a Supreme Court, state Supreme Court judge, right? Isn't that yes. Alan Page? Yes. Yeah. I think that is um, Alan Page. Alan Page yes. has gone that route. There was a Bears kicker. Was it Bob Thomas? Yep. Yep. He was a judge. So I, I got to, um, did you did you see what your guy Ed and his band, Pearl Jam, be doing? Did you see this? Yes. We re- touched on re- it a little bit last week as yeah. well. But they're re-releasing Jeremy. They re-released an uncensored version of the Jeremy video. Honestly, Steve, I am embarrassed to admit I did not know that. Really? Don't don't really. I'm more bitching than you. Yeah, you are. At, at you call yourself a moment. fan? What's going on here? I, hey, hey, check me out. Check me out. Check me out. Now that's trash panda. Rosenblum is educating you on Pearl Jam news? Dude, I would like some credit for admitting it, because I could have just been like, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, Jeremy, they're doing the whole thing, and yeah. I No, I did not hear about it, but I... I, Look, I appreciate that Steve is alerted to such things because of me. I repeat, because of me. That's true. That's true. Well, this is the uncensored version. So is... um, Edited in 92, and it uh, was 93, MTV's 93 video of the year. So whatever you thought, whatever was insinuated by the gun violence, the suicide, is much more graphic in this one. And that is the uncensored version they did not release in 1992-93. So that's it. You hit me with a surprise left. My jaw left hurting. Seemed like a harmless little bleep. Okay, I just thought I'd share that. I want to share that with the audience. They're they're um, Pearl Jam adjacent because of you, as I am Pearl Jam adjacent. Uh, I appreciate I that, man. I did not want to. We got the. I did not want to miss this moment. I know that our producer Trash Panda wants us to break, but I don't want to because I just remembered I have this. He got a te- Trash Panda. You got share with the class that you got a text from your mom this morning. Share with the class. What oh, that? yeah. So I was texting Alice this morning. Or she texted me and That's said, yes, Alice is my mom. Hi, mom, if you're listening. Hi, and Alice. Dad. And so uh, she texted me and said that Bill, my dad, eliminated a raccoon yesterday. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Successful elimination. And then, oh. a fo- and then a follow-up text says, well, we're so, like, basically saying we're pretty sure anyway. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't track down the body. So he's 90% sure that it's gone. Successfully eliminated. She sounds like Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> love how, love how you guys try to c- clean it up. It <laughs> eliminates. Love it, love so, it. You murdered a raccoon. Nice going. They're getting in the this, garden, man. Okay, but was this a scene where where Bill, who is Alice's husband, Bill is actually in the house opening the window and firing out the window, or is he? In I can the only yard assume that's that's what that's how they usually go about it. So I can only assume. <laughs> Stand out and shoot raccoons. Well, I can't talk. My my parents are in the business of drowning chipmunks, which have taken over the western <laughs> suburbs, and and as of many of their their neighbors and people in town. And I I I just like look, I don't want to hear about. Don't talk about it. Don't let me see it. I I don't want to I don't want to know about 
these loving, cute little furry animals getting drowned and creatures and eliminated apparently. Thank you for coming to Saturday Suckage's Woodland Creature TED Talk. And we'll take a break. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. <laughs> Look at you lighting up the text line with one text, studs. 847-TEXTER. Are we in Mississippi shooting raccoons? Come on! <laughs> 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 they're not raccoons, sir. Eight four seven. They're called trash pandas, respectfully. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody, Saturday Second, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy. The score. And we are top of the hour. We'll do what are you doing, Wagner? And um, we'll take a look around at that. And uh, and we will. Um, we have a variety of things that we're going to talk about, including something regarding Malcolm Saban's brother. Oh. What? Yes. Studs. Oh, no. Tra- Trash Panda, share with us. All right, fellas. Sounds- we have David we have in the breaking, South Suburbs. Breaking phone call. That's our breaking phone call music. It's David, David in-, in the South Suburbs. Yes, David in the South Suburbs has a couple questions for you guys. Okay. David, welcome to the store. How are you this Saturday? Hey, I'm in a warehouse with uh, uh, five other guys, and about an hour and a half ago, they wanted to turn you guys off. And I got a a wide range of people here, African-American, white, uh, left and right, and they they wanted to say, you got got so political, and one guy who's already gone home because we only worked till noon said you kept calling him the impeached president. And my African-American employee wanted to ask you, because he had to go home, he said, would you, would Mark and Steve take a knee right now or, take, or go on both knees for your white privilege? That's number one. Number two, uh, the other question was, uh, Steve Rosenblum, if you could replay Drew Brees' initial statement and tell me what was so god-awful about it, I know he's apologized for it, but I got some people here that were kind of ticked off, that don't want to buy Bears tickets, that, that think that you guys are, are biased and political when we should be just talking about sports. And I know what happened to George Floyd was terrible, but... Uh, the first question is, will you boys, will you men, take a knee uh, on behalf of your white privilege? Um, sure. Why not? Yes. Because that would make, it, that would make you guys happy. If you think that means something, if you're, you're trying to equate white privilege with, the, with taking a knee with what Colin Kaepernick did to, to draw attention to, to black, a black man, black men, being murdered and uh, by white police by produce police brutality um yeah if that were to raise awareness if that were to educate people yeah i got no problem doing that i would take a take a knee with colin kaepernick your knee your your knee for for white privilege sure you think that'll do any good uh, well, the one employee, no, he said, Curly, you are, are you going to take your a knee for your white privilege? Both I know, of but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm answering what I'm asking. What I, I'd be happy to do that if that brings attention to a serious t- generations upon generations old problem in this country. And well, somebody I think you're thinks that's going to help we, solve it. No, I'm, I'm, I, I'm telling you, I said yes, and I just don't. 
No, no, no. I don't you understand the will, point. Will you both take a knee or both knees oh my God. for your white you privilege? Another question? What's the other question? Why yeah. I was calling him The other question is we, uh, we, that a couple of guys want to turn it off because you kept referring to the president as the impeached president. But then another is, guy who had to go home to his family, he it, said, uh, would a, you please It's a fact, by the way. It's a fact. He was impeached. That's a fact. Was not removed from okay. office, but it's a fact. Then you're, showing, you're, showing, you're showing bias and not no, talking I'm sports. Re- I'm reciting a fact. I'm reciting it. He got involved in sports. Right, so, if you think this is a stick-to-sports time in the world, you and your employees are crazy. Period. Do you, do you, you cannot believe you, you cannot believe wait. this is all about sticking to sports. That's idiotic. My God, the world is burning. America is trying to become better, and you think stick to sports. I feel bad for you. I feel very sad for the lack of education I, I bad, that's I going around out ratings. there. I feel bad for your ratings because Thank people you. wanted to turn I'll it off and I said along. no. Thank you for your time. Uh, pass that along. Okay, that's it. You know what? I think in that next the next seg- next segment we're not going to sp- stick to much sports either, but we are because sports has responded. In some ways, sports has led the way. Sports has been a part of what what is helping foment change, and will continue to, to the nexus of sports and society and change. All of that will be discussed next, including. Um, an emotional week I had with um, my, hopefully my evolution and my education. We'll do, what are you doing, Wagner? Yeah, Is that okay? Okay. Yeah, no, you did you did well, Steve. I, I, it would be irresponsible of us to not talk about what is going on in the world. Um, and as Sam Acho said correctly, what, 70, 80% of, or maybe it was Roger Goodell, 70 to 80% of the, the NFL, for example, is black. So this is a sports issue, actually. I don't get off on talking politics. I never have. People know I don't, I don't like talking about Trump. I don't like talking about Biden. I don't like talking about any of them. Uh, I keep that stuff to myself. Um, so, you know, whatever on that. But to, and I didn't, I, honestly, and I, I'm not trying to be antagonistic here. What did he mean by that? Would we take a knee for our our white privilege to what symbolized that we shouldn't have it. I didn't, I, I literally didn't get it. I didn't get just it or else I would have shouted more. Huh? False equivalent. It just doesn't, I'm not even, I'm not even going to go there and, and understand okay. too that the president and vice president of the United States inserted themselves into sports. Yes. Especially the vice reason. president with one of the most, one of the most transparently clown PR stunts by going to a Colts game where Kaepernick was going to take a knee and to walk out completely ignorant of the reason Kaepernick was taking a knee. And then the president of the United States inserted himself into it and that he wanted NFL players fired for taking a knee because he completely, he, he lied about the reason that Kaepernick was taking a knee and he, he, at least Drew Brees has evolved, and the president has not. And that's what happened this week. And if you think you can separate sports from politics in this time of the world, then I, God bless you. Somebody should dig a hole wherever you are and feed you because your head is so far under the ground 
that I can't believe you can breathe. I can't believe you can make a phone call like that. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 